Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Beyond the Album Cover with yours truly, Jarrell Mason, or better known as Jay Mace, where not only do we talk with people from the music industry, we talk to people from all walks of life, especially in my former profession of education. I was a special ed teacher at one point in time, and I have with me right now a dear person that is very special to me. He was influential in the 252 area of North Carolina, where I am from. Him, along with Tammy Sutton, founded a school called KIPP, and it has done tremendous things for the community. But he got his start teaching sixth grade English <laughs> language arts at GMS. Shout out to everybody that went to GMS. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a big round of applause for Mr. Caleb Dolan. Mr. Dolan, welcome to Beyond the Album Cover. And I, I'm thrilled, and, and I, I didn't realize I could subscribe to you on Spotify. I just looked this up. Yes, you sure can. I'm on all streaming platforms and video content on YouTube, my YouTube channel, J85. So I'm everywhere. That's awesome. That is wicked. Yeah, who knew that I would be doing this when you saw me walking across the halls as a little yeah, sixth grader? Seriously, right? We wouldn't even know that this 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 would that you'd be able to video call and. Uh... You know, yeah, who knew? Because um, what the I heck's remember, a podcast? I, mm -hmm, yeah, I remember those days of those old bulky Gateway 2000 desktop computers, and you had to wait for School Link to dial up. Totally right. I, I joke like that that we didn't do email as a school. So we still email, hard much, copies much. of everything, having to go make copies at the office. Yep. Yep. There was a, a really cruel librarian who wouldn't even let me make copies very often. Oh, but, I know who the librarian is. We're not going to say his name, but if you know, if you've been <laughs> in and around the 252 area, your mom, your aunt, your uncle, your cousins, know some of the teachers that you had. Because I had some teachers tell me like, oh, I taught your mama. Oh, I taught your cousin. Oh, yeah. I taught your nephew. And that's when you know you're old. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Tell people a little bit about yourself, where you're from, how'd you end up in Teach for America and then Gaston Middle School around fall yeah. of 97. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I am uh, I am from uh, rural Maine, uh, small uh, a small town, uh, you know, Stephen King country, if you will. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I grew up on, on a dirt road, uh, no, Never saw neighbors, um, and you know, but had a had a you know marvelous time growing up. And uh, when I was by the time I was in college, I was uh, I always like to say that I talked a lot of um, you know white white guy liberal smack. You know, like I'm you know save the world, fight injustice. And by the time I got to be a senior, um, I. I was like, I better put my money where my mouth is. And I thought I would go into this, this organization at the time was really new, Teach for America. Um, you know, showed up to my interview in hiking boots, which was not very professional, but I didn't know otherwise. Um, and uh, though I requested to go to New York City, um, they placed me in rural North Carolina. Um, and I, you know, it's one of those twists of fate that, everything that follows in my life kind of owes itself to. Um, but uh, interviewed for a job as a, and Jarrell, you'll appreciate this as a former, former special educator. It's like the first job I interviewed for was to be a self-contained teacher in a, um, in a classroom for of students with behavioral disabilities. It is, that, that is a job that I was not qualified for. 
would have not been ready for at all. Luckily, I think the principal of that school realized it. My next job, I, the next interview I went to was for Gaston Middle School. Um, and I wound up teaching uh, remedial reading my first year and then taught sixth grade. But by the time you came, I was a sixth grade teacher there for the next three, for four years in total before um, we opened Kip Gaston College Prep down the, okay. down the road. All right. So what was your first take when you first landed in Gaston, North Carolina, seeing the Blue Flame gas station? For those of you that don't know, we're going to be using a lot of local references. So Blue, Blue Flame, Flame yeah. it, it, it was, it's truck stop now, but it was a Zitco gas station where you could get the best bacon egg and cheese yeah. sandwich in the morning. And then right across the street from the middle school, it's Hardy's restaurant. And then it was a Shell gas station, which is no longer existent. And the funny thing about the middle school, that was actually the former high school of the town before Northampton County consolidated Gumberry High School and Gaston High to form Northampton County High School West when I was going, but it's now Northampton County High. And it was where my mom, my aunt, my dad, went to high school. So it was amazing to see all the trophies and see like, oh, my aunt went here, my mom went here, my dad went here. So what was your take first landing into Gaston Middle School, Gaston, North Carolina, and probably in for a little bit of a culture shock? Oh my goodness, yeah. You know, I, it, it was such a, a culture shock in so many ways. I don't know if you remember though, that same trophy case, there were pictures of the classes and you could sort of see the point at which there were desegregation of desegregation and then saw white flight like the classes went from all white to multiracial to all black in just the span of a few years i don't it was i just remember that so vividly in in the trophy case and uh yeah i mean you know it, it, we all i grew up like i said in 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 rural maine which is 99% white. I had no experience with the South, no experience in the African American community. And, you know, right away, I mean, the first thing, right, is picking up on accents. You know, like I, it took me a while, you know, to know what people were saying. And then by, you know, three years later, it's like my, my dad's like, why are you saying y'all? You know, <laughs> but uh, it, it was really just like experiencing a dramatically different culture where you know um and and that was a real joy of it like the first time going to church with people the first time you know eating you know whether it was the uh carolina barbecue or uh bojangles you know, uh, yeah yeah all all those places it was really trying to be open to learning a new place and recognizing i was the outsider and you know trying to make sure I was I was learning, not just uh, assuming I knew what was going on. Mm, now, in most rural areas, not, some schools are considered Title I, which means that they get more federal funding from the government because of the areas that they're in. So what was that like coming in teaching, knowing that, okay, I maybe had some kids that grandma, they're living with grandma, mom and daddy's not in the home. They live in a dirt path and maybe struggling check to check or whatever the circumstances and not knowing everything that is going on behind the scenes just so that they can get on the bus and go to school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, it's a really good question, Jarrell. I mean, I'm, on one hand, it's, you know, one of the amazing things is you, kids and, and people are, are, are 
are brilliant and amazing and fun and joyful wherever you are, no matter the circumstance. And like, that was a lot of the experience of it for me is, you know, these, you know, yeah, kid, kids, whether it was a single wide trailer and a dirt path or whatever, they, 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 they were so willing to like work hard. They're so wanted to learn that stuff's true of all children. And at the same time, especially now, I'm really aware of all the systemic disadvantages put as barriers to, to people in, in Gaston. You know, it, it's all, you know, I, we, I live now in Massachusetts where there's so much public funding and there are four or five social workers in our school. And I think like there were barely any mental health services in our school there, you know, back then. And, um, you know, or a nurse, the, the, because when I was teaching out here and I saw that a school had a nurse, I was like, huh, we didn't have a nurse at our school. No, no, yeah, yeah, that's right. No, yeah, you have to have a nurse up here. You're required to. And we, you know, never could afford one. Um, you know, and, and even stuff like I was photocopying all my, you know, if I wanted books from a class, I bought them. You know, I couldn't couldn't yeah, get trust order me, novels. I understand paying out of pocket for supplies. It ain't cheap. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it, it it's it makes you it it makes me all the more amazed at people's, you know, in Gaston, the young men and women like yourself who I, I knew who just have always been able to figure stuff out and find ways to survive and thrive, even when it's set up to. Uh, say no, you can't survive and thrive, um, you know, and uh, it, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, definitely, though, there, there is a, a lot of, um, I don't think, the, I don't think a lot of people who haven't lived in rural areas to sort of understand also, like, the isolation of it, you know, the idea that, you know, it, it it's two hours to this thing, it's two hours to that you know chapel hill felt like a million miles away even though it was only two hours away you know mm -hmm. yeah and i say it's because of you know teachers like yourself miss Sutton, that um i had taken a tour to duke when i was in seventh grade and yep. it was where we saw uh cory mcgetty shane battier elton brand before they became nba stars and yep. just to for me to set foot on duke's campus and say oh that's a possibility that I can one day go here is you open up that mind to say there's more than just Gaston, Henrico, Ronald Rapids or whatever adjacent areas that I can dream bigger and further than previous generations could do to, you know, circumstances. And you all provided us the ability to have no lid and be able to dream far and dream big. Wow. Well, I mean, that, that, by the way, is one of my favorite memories because we walking around Duke's campus and we talked our way into that uh, preseason yeah, game with the Australian team. Yeah, because I think I remember you and Miss Sutton went up to the front and said something because we were sitting by the band section. And I was like, how do we sit behind the band section? I was thankful for going, even though I'm a Carolina fan through and through. But oh, yeah. um, it was all it was all good, though. But those prices at Duke, mm -mm, I can see why a lot of kids from up north would go to Duke because Duke, cost money so what led to you and miss Sutton finding uh gcp yeah yeah so you know the i think one of the things that was hard right was um it, it, 
you know, there were all every, I mean, any school in the country, you can find great teachers. I, I, I genuinely believe that, but there are a lot of places where the system isn't set up for, for there to be consistency across the school and year. So I would, you know, we would, and I, and I was just learning to teach, but, but, you know, willing to work hard at it. And we saw, you know, you got some of you guys, I'd have you, I'd have a kid as a sixth grader, um, probably a friend or cousin of yours. <laughs> and if they got, you know, if they got Miss Sutton, they'd have a great seventh grade year, but sometimes if they didn't, they wouldn't. And then you'd see kids by ninth and 10th grade really struggling. And so we, we talked a lot, you know, all the time, you know, what if, you know, somebody could build a school that where it was consistently great year after year for kids. And uh, the opportunity came when Kip, the, the, the founders of the two original Kip schools in New York and the Bronx, um, you know, they received some philanthropy to support opening new schools. Uh, you know, the first three new schools in the country, first time they'd replicated and because they were in the sort of Teach for America alumni network, they called. I didn't call them back for two weeks because uh, I, I was coaching track at the time. <laughs> were you, I think you played baseball. Do you remember that, right? No. I played football. That was the only sport I played. Only I wanted to do football. basketball, okay. but no, I only did football. Only football, okay. So the, the tr track was, uh, so I, I was, you know, I kept home late for track practice. So like, I'll call that guy back. Call that guy back. Finally, but we hit it off. They said, you know, you can go open a school. We've got deals to, you know, with the uh, mayor of Atlanta, governor of Colorado. And we're like, well, actually we want to open a school right here in this town we're in. And luckily, you know, they, they, they bought in and we opened, um, I, went, I went for a year to, to study being a leader, a founding leader. And we opened in 2000 in, in Gaston, um, you know, after about, uh, speaking of all the dirt roads, uh, you know, I, I had to recruit 80 kids. So I, I did a, a 80 to 95 home visits that year, year to try to recruit kids and families. Man, that is so crazy. And uh, I know that it was originally a peanut field because I remember yep. driving by the car. I used to live not too far from the site of where the school is now. Just seeing that it was a peanut field at one point in time and to see where yep. it is gone and all of the kids that matriculated through KIPP, GCP, graduated, gone on to school, military, or the workforce, or whatever, what have yep. you. Definitely a great thing. Now, I know for some of the people for charter schools, a big issue is that some of them have a lottery system. And as we saw in the documentary, Waiting for Superman, that, you know, you see a lot of kids that it almost kind of feels like Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, where I get huh. the golden ticket by getting admitted into this school. And I feel that education should not be determined by your zip code or the lucky bounce of a ping pong ball or that your number was picked to get a spot. Yep. How do you guys try to combat that whole lottery system, make sure that every kid deserves a fair shot and not just a luck of the draw? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. You know, I, I think there's two kind of ways that I think about it. You know, one is that, you know, you have, you, you hopefully over time are not only like 
serving the students within your walls better, you're also doing things to help all kids in a community. Um, you know, whether it's sharing some of the strategies that work or, you know, uh, creating more, you know, the, a pipeline for more talented leaders to go work in it all, all throughout the community. Um, and, and in some cases, even partnering with the traditional district to try to do stuff well, that's hard, but, but there are places where that's happening with, with charters and districts. Um, and, and the other, I guess the other way I think about it is just, you know, we have to, um, and this is a thought I, that something I've, I've sort of learned in my post-Gaston experience is really work with families in the community to develop their political power because all families want are good schools. They don't care if it's charter, district, <laughs> whatever, they want great schools. And, and if families and communities, if, the, if they are, if they're, they're sort of using their power, um, Forcefully, I think you can make all schools better, but too often parents and children are left out of the political process when it comes to schools. I definitely agree because WRL, they did a special a couple of months back about the gap in high-speed internet between mobile, more urban cities and areas like ours that actually highlighted infield and how kids had to go to, let's say, McDonald's parking lot just so that they can get their homework done. And we're experiencing the problem nationwide due to schools being online because of COVID that yep. parents and kids are struggling, you know, with trying to adapt, especially if you don't have the means to have high speed internet or multiple kids that need multiple laptops. And it's causing some teachers to reevaluate saying, man, what am I doing here? Yeah, no, I think it, it's um, yeah, it's really hard as a teacher right now. I think because you're missing and and you miss so much of the joy that is teaching. You know, it's not person to person, but yeah, this is the pandemic has accelerated every uh, um, inequity and inequality there is. You know, we, we it it's uh, you know if if you are wealthy right now. If you have means and resources in your community, you have access to all these things. And more likely you're in school in person because there's the room and the space and all that. And uh, it, 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 is, it is really hard to do remote school in rural locations because the infrastructure is not there. But that's a choice our country's made. It doesn't have to be that way. It's that mm -hmm. we haven't really uh, invested in the things. We haven't invested in our, in a, in our kids the way we should. Right. I definitely agree because had, you know, the same infrastructure like in Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, Greensboro, Charlotte would have been invested in the rural areas. Imagine what more success we could wow. have and we could accomplish and say there's no excuses. You got everything you need. Yep. Yep. We, 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 so many and, and you'd have so, so much potential to, of, of, you know, is, is lost when we don't do that. And so it's really powerful to imagine what we could do, but there's a lot of work to get there. Yeah, because I knew from the beginning that I wanted to go to college. I yep. wanted, I always wanted to go to Chapel Hill, but uh, I had a cousin that went, he was like, I'm going to tell you what the deal is about Chapel Hill. You can apply if you want, but then it is what it is. So I ended up going to UNCG 
UNC Greensboro, and I was in Upward Bound. For those of you that don't know, yeah. Upward Bound is a program federally funded by TRIO that takes kids who are first-generation college students, who will be first-generation college students, I should say, and then simulate life on a college campus. And the program I was in at Shawan College at the time, now Shawan University, they would go on college tours every Friday. And one of the tours was UNCG. And actually one of the tour guides was actually from Gaston, went to West. Oh. Uh, he must have graduated a couple years. Well, right around when my cousins and everything were, were at West. So he knew some of my people. So I was sold on spot to go to UNCG. Yeah. And to just think, you know, coming from a little rural town and going to school brings up another thing that I have to bring up is that when you come from a smaller rural area, you feel at times intimidated when you get to these big PWIs or HBCUs where you feel, oh, can I academically, you know, measure up? And it was my first time at UNCG being around a lot of white folks, you know, and just feeling like, oh, I am a non-ball. I am the outsider because I'm so used to having one way of life and coming here, I got to learn how to navigate in this new world where not only am I going to be surrounded by the best and the brightest, but I got to find out how do I fit myself in culturally. And as we see now with the climate, you know, all over that, you kind of feeling like, oh, do I need to distance myself and go to an HBCU so I can have my blackness be validated without being looked at as, oh, you're a separatist. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, um, it, it, like, that's, a th I think we've seen a lot of like, you know, the power of the HBCU experience for so many students, because it is a place where, where people feel validated and affirmed and, and 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 we got it. You have to do a lot. Like like Upward Bound does a good job, but like if in a school like Kip Gaston College Prep, like I think we were always trying to do it, but probably needed to do more of like preparing preparing young people for what it's like so at PWIs, especially that it's not necessarily going to be the. You got to find your people. You got to be willing to, like you said, sometimes be feel feel very separate, and you know it, it's. It's sad that it is that way, but um, there's a lot more we could do to prepare people. Yeah, prepare young, yeah. I, I definitely agree because, you know, you have some that end up taking remedial classes as soon as they get into college. And as we see with athletics, that's a whole nother can of worms where if you can do this, do this. And for those of you that's <laughs> yeah. listening to the audio, throwing the football or shooting the ball, they're going to find a way to make sure that you stay eligible. And if you look at the docuseries Last Chance You on Netflix, you see that some of these kids that's taking the JUCO route, you know, may have had personal issues or academic issues that got them kicked out of the major schools. And then they have to go to JUCO to try to get their footing back. But it just once again goes back to what we were pointing out earlier about how more resources need to be invested in communities so that all kids can succeed. So that way, when they step on these big campuses, they're not looked at as, oh, I'm another athlete and the coach is going to make money off me. And if he gets a new job, he could just leave scot-free. While me, I'm under lock and key under this contract that says I got to play. But for those of you that don't know, four-year scholarships are technically not for full four years. They're 
one year renewables. So if you're not up to snuff and a new coaching staff comes in or they sign out that mm, now nah, we're going to turn the fat, you're, you're out. So there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done on the college athletic front to make sure that these students are not just being funneled through and that the NBA or NFL, while that's nice and all, you need to have a solid backup plan in case you don't get drafted. Yeah, no, hundred hundred percent. That college college athletics is this, uh, you know, m- money making scheme disguised as like you know under some you know as amateurism. Um, but and I apologize that I gotta uh, hop off in a minute. But I, I I love what you're saying though about because it makes me think of you know a lot of times we put the work you know and even how I've just been talking about it kind of like we should better prepare the kids. But at the same time, what we really should be doing is changing the culture of the colleges and universities and the, the, the culture of our country that it, you know, you shouldn't, if you are, there, there should be more ways for people to thrive at schools um, and more way, more emphasis put on like white students and white faculty um, being competent enough to, to work uh, effectively and support uh, BIPOC students and, and staff. Whereas we put a lot of times, we put the responsibility, like you said, on an, on an 18 year old <laughs> to, to survive in a, in a predominantly white environment instead of putting pressure on the environment itself to get better. Right, I definitely agree. So I know you got a jet, so we can go ahead and close it out. You got any shout outs you want to give before we conclude? Give I your mean, social Jarell media. Is- is so it I knows that uh, I am I'm old so I, I you know I, I don't I don't have any social snail mail I, snail I, mail <laughs> yes never you know you can always find me uh Caleb A. Dolan at Gmail for for old school G, uh, GMS and GCP folks especially I, I I always love to the pride at GCP but those uh four years at GMS were were golden to some of my favorite favorite people in the universe and so all of you all much love and Jarrell so cool to catch up I really I hope you're not a stranger and it's great to hear what you're doing out West and, uh, you know, keep, keep, keep safe and and do well, man. Yes, sir. I would love to have you on again. So you can catch this interview on all streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, wherever you get your podcasts and on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash J5. Ladies and gentlemen, round of applause, big welcome salute (laughs) to Mr. Caleb Dolan. Thank you so very much for coming on to Beyond the Album Cover. Thank you so much, Joe. Take care, man.